You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. We give thanks to you, Lord, we sing praise to your name most high, and we declare for your faithful love in the morning is enduring, and your faithfulness endures through the night. Amen. Well, I wonder, are you an optimist or a pessimist? For you, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? I want to introduce you to two of my friends. And my first friend, David, he's an eternal optimist. There, there is no crisis too great. There's no problem too big to drive David to despair. You see, if your world is falling apart around you, don't worry, just talk to David. He'll say, nah, you're probably just overthinking it. It'll be all right. My second friend, Jack, he's the, well, the exact opposite. He's the eternal pessimist. He, he could enjoy the greatest success or, or the biggest win, but still, he'll find a way to see the worst in absolutely everything. You see, Jack, he's, he's a bit like a heat-seeking missile who always wants to blow up every good opportunity that comes to him and then, in retrospect, says, See, I told you so. Now, of course, David and Jack, they aren't real people. But aren't we all just a bit like one of them? How do you perceive the world around you? And how do you respond in the thick of suffering? Are you the type to look around and say to yourself, she'll be right? Or do you look around and ask yourself, what's the point? You know, over the last two weeks, we've seen that there are two responses to suffering, haven't we? In Psalm 90, we responded to suffering with lament. We cried out from the depths of our being, How long, O Lord? Then, in Psalm 91, we moved from responding in lament to responding in trust. We declared, My refuge and my fortress is my God. But today... Here in Psalm 92, the psalmist is leading us to that next step in our journey through suffering. We're moving from lament to trust and now to praise. The truth is that some of us get a bit stuck, don't we? We start with lament, but instead of moving on to trust God in our suffering, we stay there in our lament. And what started off as godly lament actually becomes ungodly complaint, even wallowing in self-pity. But you see, in this trilogy of Psalms, the psalmist wants us to not just lament, but to move beyond lament, to move beyond even an expression of trust. You see, in Psalm 93, the psalmist wants us to move to praise. He wants us to praise God for his faithfulness, not just in the future, but in the midst of suffering. He wants us to praise God for his faithfulness in the midst of suffering. And so in this psalm, we find that we are a people of praise. We have a reason for praise. And we are always in a place 
of praise. Firstly, why don't we look at a people of praise? Well, it's always good, isn't it, to praise something? We all find joy in not just keeping our joy to ourselves, but we find joy in sharing our joy with others. We find our joy in others sharing our joy with us. Even in the dark moments of history, or maybe especially in the dark moments of history, it is good to praise something. I wonder, when was the last time you praised something? What was it that you last praised? Now, I know that a number of you in our church family are passing your time in isolation by watching Korean dramas. And you love it. You love it. And I can talk to any number of you, but especially if you want to find out, if you want to hear true praise, talk to Matthew Chen. Because he'll tell you, you've got to watch it, man. It's so good. You've just got to watch that drama. You see, Matt and many of us have have personally experienced the joy of sharing in the love story of Crash Landing on You. and, And now he wants you to share his joy. So he does what anyone filled with joy would do. He sings its praises. You see, this psalm wants us to sing God's praises Because if praising a Korean drama is so good, then I can promise you that praising God is so much better. Just look at what the psalmist says in verses 1 to 3. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praise to your name most high. You see, it's not just objectively good. No, it's a goodness that brings us joy. But we praise God, not just on Sundays or in our BLTs, but verse 2 says, in the morning and, and at night. You see, friends, it's good to praise God at all times. And it's good to praise Him in every way. Just see it, to sing praise to His name. To use a ten-stringed harp and the music of a lyre. You see, this is a praise that can't be contained. It spills out in joyful song. It's the song of a man who's in love or the song of a people who have been saved. In Ephesians 4, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He urges us to speak to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you're not a Christian, you you might wonder, why do Christians sing? I mean, if you've never been to church and visiting church and you're visiting church for the first time, my guess is that singing together must be one of the stranger parts of what we as Christians do. And then you join us over Zoom and realize, my gosh, they're still singing, even though they're physically apart. And you might wonder, what the heck is going on? Now, I know close to nothing about AFL. But, but why do you think a footy team sings their team song at the end of their game? Particularly at the end of winning their game. I mean, most of them are tone deaf, right? And listening to them is nothing short of a traumatic experience. And, and yet, and yet they still sing at the top of their lungs. They sing because as a team, they have a reason to rejoice. They have a reason to praise. They have a reason to give thanks. 
I mean, they won the game, didn't they? They, they defeated the other team and, and then now they're celebrating their victory. Why do we as Christians sing? Why do we sing so enthusiastically, even if some of us might be just as tone deaf, right? Which might very well be the one single benefit of Zoom. We, we, we sing because we have a reason to rejoice. We sing because we have a God to praise. We sing because Jesus has won our forgiveness and, and defeated death. So now you and I, we can celebrate our salvation. We sing because we have been set free. You know, Psalm 90, it allows us to be a people of lament. Psalm 91 summons us to be a people of trust. And now Psalm 92 invites us to be a people of praise. Fellow Christian, is your life marked by a joyful praise of the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, do do you praise God at all times and in every way such that your non-Christian family and friends look at you and wonder, my gosh, what, what does she have that I don't? What does he have that I don't? You know, God isn't calling us to some sort of superficial, naive or annoying happiness. No, no, no. He's not calling us to be like David with an artificial or or semi-delusional optimism. He's inviting us to share in a deep and abiding joy that praises God in the midst of suffering. It's a joy that allows us to lament, but a joy that recognizes that we always have more reasons to praise God than to lament at suffering. We always have more reasons to praise God than to lament at suffering. Point number two, we have a reason for praise, a reason for praise. So you you might think that it's good to praise a, a TV show, a Korean drama, a movie that I'm currently watching. But isn't it so much more meaningful to praise a person? Because a drama might give me entertainment, but a person will show me forgiveness, grace, and love. Ten years ago, I met an older godly man who, over the last decade, has guided, prayed for, and discipled me. And can I tell you, I have a thousand more reasons to praise him than to praise any other drama that I might watch. Because when I think about what Peter's done for me in the past, I can't help but give thanks. I can't help but praise God. Fellow Christians, we're a people of praise because we too have a reason for praise. Even more than that, we have a person to praise. We have our Saviour the Lord Jesus Christ. We can praise him for his salvation in the past and we can praise him because of his salvation in the future. Just look with me at verse 4. For you have made me rejoice, Lord, by what you have done. I will shout for joy because of the works of your hands. You see, why do we praise God? We praise God because of what he has done, because of the work of his hands. You see, for the Israelites singing this psalm, they would immediately think of God's work of salvation. That they would remember how he saved them out of Egypt and and brought them into the promised land. 
When in Exodus 6, he redeemed them with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. Praise God, they would say. If he saved us then, he can save us now. I mean, just turn back with me a little bit in your Bibles to Psalm 90. And right at the top of Psalm 90, you'll see these words. It's a prayer of Moses. A prayer of Moses. This trilogy of Psalms, Psalm 90, 91 and 92, they all take us back to this very time. A time before Israel had a human king. A time when Yahweh himself was leading his people through Moses. These Psalms want us to realize that, my gosh, if God saved us when we had no human king, when we had no physical kingdom, you bet he can save us now. If we had every reason to rejoice when we had no one and nothing but God himself, we have every reason to rejoice today. That's why the psalmist says in verse 4, you have made me rejoice. I mean, how can we not praise God for his past acts of salvation? It's why the psalmist then breaks out in praise, right? Look at verse 5. How magnificent are your works, Lord? How profound your thoughts. When was the last time you broke out in praise of God like that? When was the last time you remembered God's past salvation and fell to your knees in worship of your Savior? You see, true joy is inexpressible, but it cannot be unexpressed. Did you get that? True joy is inexpressible. In one sense, it's beyond words, and yet it's so joyful that we can't help but at least try and express it. It is a joy that's beyond words to to adequately express, and yet we grasp for words to express it all the same. Now, I know that some people are just generally non-expressive, and if that's you, all all power to you. But, But when you reflect on the saving acts of God, how can you not express your praise in some way? Anyway, I mean, just do something. Because you can't praise God in your heart without praising him with your lips. Just a few weeks ago, someone said to me, Adam, I just want to find out why Christians, particularly Christians that they've met here at Cross and Crown, are so passionate about Jesus. Why is it that you guys are so on fire for him? Well, I think this psalm helps us see why. You see, just as the Israelites looked back and saw that Yahweh had saved them out of Egypt, we Christians look back to the cross and see that Jesus has saved us out of death. At the cross, Jesus died in our place. He bore God's judgment. He defeated death. He secured forgiveness and he reconciled us with God. I mean, how can we not be passionate about him? How can we not praise him? How can we not sing his praises? And it's not just because of God's salvation in the past. No, we praise him for his salvation in the future as well. Do you remember Jack, my friend that I introduced to you just earlier? No, it's not a surprise that Jack doesn't really like David the pessimist tends to get just a little bit annoyed at the optimist. 
I want you to imagine what Jack might say about David's optimism. This is what he might say. Well, of course, Adam, it's easy for David to say. His life is going well. He was born into a privilege and a good family. He went to a good school. He had a good start in life. Of course he can praise. Of course he can be happy. He's not suffering like I am. And it's all too easy for Jack to be just a little bit bitter at David, isn't it? And yet, that's not the case here in this psalm. That the psalmist isn't praising God in the midst of peace and prosperity. No, he's praising God in the thick of disaster and death. Just just look at verse 7. We see that the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish. The psalmist is praising God through the pain, through the mortality and sin of Psalm 90, through the attacks and dangers of Psalm 91. And yet, the psalmist started by lamenting at his suffering. He then progressed to trust God in spite of his suffering. And now he praises God in the midst of his suffering. But but notice, the suffering is still there. The suffering has not gone away. And you might wonder, what gives this man such great hope? What, What allows him to praise God through the pain? Well, here it is. God's future salvation. In verse 7, the the wicked and evildoers might flourish today, but they will be eternally destroyed. In verse 9, God's enemies will one day perish and be scattered. You see, back in Psalm 90, if you remember, we humans, we were the grass that sprouted in the morning, but we were the ones that were burnt up by the noonday sun. But here in Psalm 92, it's the wicked who are the grass that will be destroyed. Now, Let me be clear, we're not talking about my personal enemies or your personal enemies here. No, we're talking about God's enemies. That the forces opposed to God and his purposes in this world. Everyone who stands against King Jesus. And one day, the Lord Jesus Christ will return to judge the living and the dead. He will destroy all evil. He will end all suffering and he will make all things new. In Revelation 20, John tells us that the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are, and they'll be tormented day and night forever. In verse 14, he writes, death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Now, you might think it's a bit confronting, but it's good news, isn't it? I mean, isn't it good news that one day the devil will be defeated? Isn't it good news that one day death itself will be destroyed? And when we look to that day to come, God gives us strength and rest in our world today. That's what verse 10 means. Our our horn is our strength and the finest oil brings rest. You and I, we can look at the enemies of God today. We can look at the forces of evil. We can look at a virus, death and destruction. And knowing their final destiny, we can praise God through the pain. 
We can suffer solitude. We can confront the coronavirus. We can stare death straight down the barrel knowing that God has saved us from the penalty of sin and one day he will save us from the presence of sin as well. We are a people of praise and we have a reason for praise. God's past salvation and his future salvation. And finally, we are in a place of praise. We're in a place of praise. You know, since uh, the stage three restrictions have started, I've noticed that far more people have taken up gardening and started walking in parks. They're just everywhere. It's probably because they're the only two outdoor activities that aren't yet outlawed. If you've ever walked through Carlton Gardens next to the Royal Exhibition Building, you'll see a lot of trees. It's beautiful. Trees with big trunks, deep roots, and leaves that form a thick canopy overhead. These are trees that can withstand any storm. Trees that that are not easily uprooted. Trees that will endure and outlast, let's face it, even many of us. They're healthy. They thrive. And they're planted deep. Believe it or not, that's how the psalmist describes all of us who praise God for his salvation. Verse 12 says that we're like a palm tree and and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon. You know, palm trees grow in an oasis that they produce dates that are sweet and they represent life. Cedar trees, they're large and stately and just like the trees in, in the Carlton Gardens, they will never fall. You see, friends, those those who don't trust in King Jesus, all those who stand against him and his purposes in the world, this psalm says they're like grass, grass that sprouts in the morning, but by the noon, they're burnt up and they wither away. Chaff, but not us, not us, not those who trust in King Jesus and praise him. We are like trees that are planted deep, that that grow, thrive, and bear fruit in our old age. And I want you to notice where we're planted. It's right there in verse 13. We're planted in the house of the Lord, in the courts of our God. You know, this isn't talking about where we'll one day be. No, this is talking about where we are right now. You see, for the Israelites who first sung this psalm, they would have looked around and seen nothing but suffering. They would have seen defeat, exile, and crisis. And for many of us who sing this psalm now, we look around and see nothing but suffering. We see a global pandemic, over a million people dead, and an economy on the brink of recession and our jobs just disappearing before our eyes. And yet, the psalmist wants us to see that this is not the place where we really stand. Our true position is not in our suffering, but before our Saviour. You see, whatever physical location we may be in, whether it's at work or in quarantine at home, our true position and the one position that really counts is the house of the Lord, the courts of our God. And we Christians are always in God's presence because through Jesus, you and I, we've entered the temple of God. We are the temple of God. Jesus has brought us into God's presence. So whatever danger we might be in physically, 
we are always in a place of safety spiritually. We are always in a place where we cannot just trust God, but we're always in a place where we can praise God. We're in a place of ultimate safety. So whatever our physical danger might be, you and I need not be afraid. We can still praise God for his ultimate protection. I know that many of us long to be together physically. We long to gather as a church family, to see one another and praise God, not alone, but together. And being isolated at home, especially for those of us who live alone, can be a painfully lonely experience. But but I want you to know that even in a place of quarantine, even in a place of solitude and isolation, we are always in a place of praise. Even in solitude, we have the Spirit of God and we are never truly alone. And even when it doesn't feel like it, Jesus has brought us into God's presence. And we have every reason to praise him. We are a people of praise. We have a reason for praise. And we are always in a place of praise. You know, I've noticed that people tend to respond to suffering in one of two ways. One of two ways. The first is this. Denial. Denial is the response of my friend David. It's that attitude that says, can't be that bad. She'll be right. But the problem is that this is just blind and foolish optimism, isn't it? We're just making ourselves willfully blind to the harsh realities of this world. We're just foolishly deluding ourselves into thinking that everything's okay when it quite obviously isn't. The first response is denial. But the second response is despair. Despair is the thought of Jack who says, I'd rather be miserable and right than happy and ignorant. We recognize the harsh reality of this world, but we throw our hands in the air and ask, what's the point? What's the point? But there is a third response. And it's a response that should mark every Christian believer. We should not respond to suffering with denial or despair. No, we should respond to suffering with lament, trust, and praise. We should lament at our mortality and our sin. We should trust that God is our refuge. And we should praise God for his faithfulness in the midst of our suffering. We should praise him because Jesus has secured our salvation in the past. And we should praise him because Jesus assures us of salvation in the future. Let me ask, do you tend towards denial or despair? Are you the type to say, she'll be right, or to ask, what's the point? Friends, whichever you might be, the psalmist today is inviting all of us to praise God. Because we are a people of praise. We have a reason for praise. And no matter our physical location, we are always in a place of praise. Let me pray. We give thanks to the Lord. We sing praise to your name most high. And we declare your faithful love in the morning 
and your faithfulness at night. Amen.